This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. We are continuing today with a series that we started last week, and it's titled, it's coming up on the screen now, it is titled, Jesus, Our Refuge. And this is part two, and part two is subtitled, Types and Shadows of New Covenant Refuge in Jesus. Now that title is based on what we shared in part one, obviously. And in part one, we looked at what those, what those cities of refuge are of the old covenant, and you know how it was laid out and what God's plan was. We're going to touch on some of it today, and I have some, I'd have, I have different slides today to show you, so you can, they can supplement and complement the ones I shared with you last week, so that you can, you know, just solidify the heart of God in that concept. So I don't want to go through everything we covered last week, but I'm going to touch on some things just to take us to where we're going today. So last week we looked at what it is. Today we're going to look at how it is a type and shadow of refuge in Jesus. And then next week I'm going to share some exciting, just wonderful things that we see within that whole concept of cities of refuge and how and what it says to us about having refuge in Jesus. All right, so talking about God's promise of redemption in Jesus, let's read Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 from the New Living Translation. Remember, this is in reference. The greater context is about God's promise of redemption in Jesus. And so he says here, So God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The author of Hebrews basically is writing to a Hebrew community, a Jewish community living outside of Israel. Most of them have received salvation in Jesus, bearing in mind that they used to be Jews who practiced being under law, Old Covenant. So they used to relate to God by law, whereas in the New Covenant, we relate to God by grace. It's a new covenant. It's a different way of relating to God. And so this is who he is writing to. And so this Hebrew audience, these Jewish folks who are now believers in Jesus and have received salvation in Jesus, they are very familiar with Old Covenant concepts and practices. So when he says here, you know, we who have fled to him for refuge, that paints a whole picture in their minds, which is what we looked at last week. They were familiar with the cities of refuge. And so when he said, we, notice he says we, he's talking about believers and he's including himself in that. So in other words, he's including you and me in that. And he is saying, we who have fled to Jesus for refuge can have great confidence in the hope that we have in him. And so when he says that, he is actually painting the picture that we looked at last week and making it clear. This is about the cities of refuge. Now, having looked at the cities of refuge, and we'll look at it real quick again now, you need to remember, or we need to remember, that the city of refuge was made available to those who killed someone or caused someone's death 
unintentionally. It was accidental. It wasn't on purpose. So these cities of refu refuge were not for intentional murderers, those who killed someone on purpose. That was not for them. This was for those who did it unintentionally. In other words, unintentionally sinned, unintentionally caused the death of someone. And so when you think about that, he is saying to us, to them as believers, but he's also saying to us as believers today, he is saying that we have fled to Jesus for refuge. So when we receive salvation in Jesus, we were fleeing to him to receive refuge, salvation, protection. In other words, what he's also implying with that is, is that you and I caused the death of someone. He is saying to us that we can see ourselves as someone who caused the death of another or who accidentally killed someone. Otherwise, he wouldn't say we. By saying we, he is basically saying, you fit in that category. You are an accidental killer. You are an accidental murderer. And because of that, we all, all of us are, he says, and we all had to flee for refuge to Jesus. So it's interesting, isn't it? All right, so let's have a look real quick at that. And let's just, let me just remind you of that. But also I want to draw some things out of here for today's message. And so Joshua chapter 20, we're going to read verses 1 to 6. And this is now after the promised land was allocated to the 12 tribes of Israel. Joshua is now in charge. And so Joshua remind, uh, God reminds Joshua of these cities of refuge. So watch what he says here. The Lord said to Joshua, Now tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge. As I instructed Moses, anyone who kills another person accidentally and unintentionally can run to one of these cities. They will be places of refuge from relatives seeking revenge for the person who was killed. Verse 4, <clears throat> upon reaching one of these cities, the one who caused the death will appear before the elders at the city gate and present his case. They must allow him to enter the city and give him a place to live among them. If the relatives of the victim come to avenge the killing, the leaders must not release the slayer to them, for he killed the other person unintentionally and without previous hostility. In other words, not premeditated murder. Then it says in 6, <clears throat> But the slayer must stay in the city, in that city, and be tried by the local assembly, which will render a judgment. And he must continue to live in that city until the death of the high priest who was in office at the time of the accident. After that, he is free to return to his own home in the town from which he fled. These cities of refuge were God's idea. They were not ours. They were not their idea. It was God's idea. Why? Because He loves us. Remember, these are types and shadows of Jesus. And so because God loves people, He loves humanity, He knew that there were going to be some accidental deaths that would be caused. And He, were, he provided for them. But this is all a type and shadow of us because the author of Hebrews said, you are in the situation. All of humanity is in that situation. We were all in that place. That's why he says we have fled. Talking about past tense, meaning that once we receive salvation in Jesus, 
we've entered refuge in Jesus, just like those who entered the city of refuge entered refuge. And so God gave the design and the purpose to Moses for these cities. So it was God's plan all along. Now, let me show you three slides just to refresh our mind, and then we'll go on to where we need to go on to. So here's the first one. This is now the land allocation once they started conquering the promised land. And so you can see there, this is how the areas of the promised land were allocated to the different tribes. And so you can see in different colors all the different tribes. On the left, you have the Mediterranean Sea. All right, so that's the land allocations. And then God says, set up these cities. And we looked at all this last week. So here's the next slide, how these cities were to be set up. And so you can see them there with the red dots, and you can see the names of those cities that we've seen in the text. And you can see from this that they were spread out in such a way that within half a day's journey, anyone in the promised land could get to a city of refuge. And of course, I shared with you last week some of the facts about the fact that they had clean roads and wider roads for them. They had signs all over the place, and these cities were made, you know, out of limestone so that they could shine during the day, shine during the night with the light of the sun and the moon. And, you know, they would glow at night too because they retained some of the heat from the day. And uh, here's the last one, which is an actual city of refuge. And there you see what it looks like. It's, it looks like a fortress. It's fortified to protect those who would be accused because the avengers would come, you know, to take their life for, for having caused the death of one of their loved ones. And so that's what that looks like. Now, reminding ourselves of all that and understanding all that, there's something else that I want to draw your attention to in Hebrews 6 verse 18, the second part of that verse. So it's going to come up again. Watch this. He says, therefore, in other words, because we have God's promise and oath about salvation in Jesus, he says, we, in other words, as believers who have fled, past tense, in other words, after receiving salvation in Jesus, you're in, to him, so Jesus, not a city, but a person, Jesus, for refuge, in other words, because you caused the death of someone, this is why you're here, can have great confidence as we hold fast to the hope. In other words, once we find refuge in Jesus, we can be happy and we can be free and feel safe, secure and protected in that situation. Now, the old covenant cities of refuge, from that text right there you see, were a type and a shadow of finding refuge in Jesus. He makes that very clear. He uses the same term. He refers to the same thing, but now in the context of fleeing for refuge to Jesus. So with that, he makes it clear to us that those were types and shadows for us today in Jesus. And of course, he's not only saying the old covenant, types and, the old covenant cities of refuge were a type and shadow of Jesus, but also refuge in Jesus is far superior and better than the old covenant. And then based on what he's saying about holding on to that hope, what he is saying is, is that refuge in Jesus is eternal, not temporal. Because remember we read in Joshua, when the high priest in office died, they were free to go. And even though according to the law, the avengers were not allowed to go after them, well, historical record shows us that anyone who left that city, when the priest died, their life was at risk because some people were really mad that their loved one died because of them. And so they could leave the city, and, but they would put themselves at risk. So, it, you know, 
many would stay because of that. And so what we see here though is, is that the author of Hebrews is typifying all of that. But what he's saying is, is that in Jesus you have this eternal hope that you can hang on to and have confidence in. In other words, refuge in Jesus is eternal. It is not temporal. Praise God. We don't have to be concerned about being at risk in Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, I want to share with you two reasons why all of humanity needs refuge in Jesus. Remember the author of Hebrews, he said that we all have fled. In other words, all of humanity needs refuge in Jesus. In other words, what he's saying, understanding the whole concept of city of refuge and why they were established, is all of humanity is guilty of murder. They killed someone. They caused the death of someone. That's why they need to run to Jesus for refuge. So, you know, let's have a look at that and let's see. So two reasons why all of humanity needs refuge in Jesus. Firstly, Romans chapter 3 verse 23. <clears throat> Here's the first reason why we need refuge in Jesus. It says, for everyone, other translations say all. The Texas translation says all y'all. Okay, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's talking about God's law. And so, you know, if you want to relate to God by law, then you need to, it's a perfect law. Therefore, you need to be perfect to fulfill it and satisfy it. And none of us are. And so we cannot. So we all fall short. Amen. So the, one of the reasons why we need refuge in Jesus is because we all law breakers in fallen Adam. That's why we need redemption. And so we're all guilty of disobeying God's law. Why? Well, because we, we, we're descendants of a fallen being. So we break the law because we're not perfect. So we're all guilty. And because of that, we have an avenger who's out to get us, who's out to destroy us, who's out to cause our destruction, our death. I mean, it says in Corinthians that, you know, it's the ministry of condemnation. It's the ministry of death. It says that. But look at this in Hebrews 10 verse 28 talking about the law. It says, For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses, that's the law of God, was put to death. Look at that. Was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So the first reason why all of humanity needs to flee for refuge to Jesus is because we're all guilty of breaking God's law. We're all guilty of sinning against God. We're all guilty of disobeying God. No matter how good a person thinks, in James it says, if you break one of God's laws, and there's 613 of them, and James says that if you break one, you break the whole lot. And so at the end of the day, this is why it says we're all guilty of breaking the law. And so that's the first reason why we need to run to Jesus for refuge. The second reason why all humanity needs to flee, needs refuge in Jesus is because we are the cause of Jesus' death. We killed Him, if you will, with our sin. And the avenger is God, because it's His Son. So all of humanity is guilty of that. So we were the cause of His death. We literally killed Him. We may not have been there in person, but if we were, we would have done no different to the people who did. We caused His death. We killed Him. And so because of that, Jesus realizing that, 
he chose to give his life up so that you and I would not be charged as intentional murderers, as intentional killers, because that would leave us without hope, without refuge. Does that make sense? I trust that it does. Let me show you. Let me give, show you some scripture to prove that. Luke chapter 23, we're going to look at the first part of verse 33, and then the second part of verse 34, just for time's sake. Watch this. It's, it's talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. It says, when they came to the place called the skull, that's the hill where they crucified him. Watch what it says next. There they crucified him. In other words, people crucified him. Humanity crucified him. Yes, it was the Romans, but it was you know, inspired by the religious leaders and the people. Ultimately, it was because of our sin. So really, we crucified him. And that's what the author of Hebrews is linking this to. So you can see that we caused the death of Jesus. We killed Jesus, if you will. It would have been that way at least anyway. But then look at what it says in verse 34, the second part. And Jesus, this is all happening at the same time. And Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. Watch this. For they do not know what they are doing. In other words, Jesus just said, as we crucified him, he said, Father, forgive them because they, have, they don't know what they are doing. In other words, what Jesus was doing when he said that, he says, Father, don't charge them as murderers. Don't charge them as killers. But rather, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. In other words, my death is accidental on their part. He did that so that you and I would not be charged as <laughs> for intentional murder, but for unintentional murder. Why? So that we can run to a city of refuge. So that we can run to Him for refuge when He rose from the dead. Whereas if He said nothing and He died, then you and I would be charged for His death. And we would not be able to have refuge in Jesus. I trust that this is making sense. It's so powerful, actually. It's such a powerful truth. And so, and then to verify that, watch us now in Mark 15, verse 37. This is the detail that sometimes we just browse through and we don't really pay much attention to. But watch us now in light of what we're sharing here today. But Jesus uttered a loud cry. This is him on the cross still. And breathed out his lust. And I love the way the Amplified brings it in from the original. Watch us. Voluntarily sovereignly dismissing and releasing His Spirit from His body in submission to His Father's plan. Alright, so what that tells us right there is, is that no one killed Jesus. He didn't allow anyone to kill Him. He chose to give His life, it says. He voluntarily released His Spirit from His body and thus died. The reason why he did that, now we understand, is so that you and I would not be charged as intentional murderers, but as unintentional murderers. That's why he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. With those statements and saying this, and Mark showing us this, he did it so that you and I could run for refuge to him, so that you and I can find refuge in him. Otherwise, we would be without hope. So really what that shows us is, is that He qualified us for refuge. Praise God for that. Amen.
So Jesus asked the Father to treat us as accidental murderers so that we could ultimately find refuge in Him. I mean, when I read this and I was studying it and putting this together, it blessed me so to think, you know, that God didn't have to give me refuge. He didn't have to, Jesus didn't have to say, forgive Him, for He doesn't know what He's doing. And He, you know, He chose to give His life so that I would not be charged as a murderer, so that I would not be charged as an intentional killer, so that I could find refuge in Him. Talk about the love and the grace of God. Wouldn't you agree? It's powerful stuff. Amen. So really, in essence, what we see is, is that we were meant to die. Not only did we have the law of God as the avenger, but we, could, we would have had God Himself as the avenger. And what chance would we stand? So we were meant to die. But yet, in and through Jesus, God provides a place of refuge for us. So we can be eternally safe. We can be protected and provided for because that's what happened in a city of refuge. They were provided for and they were provided the very best because the people brought the best to the priest as God commanded in the law. So they had the best of everything. Those in the city of refuge enjoyed the reading of the scriptures and the worship of God. So they were transformed in that environment. And also, they were safe. They were protected. There was guards. There was a wall. There was a system set up to protect them. That's the picture of what you and I have in Jesus. We can enjoy relationship with God. We can be in His presence, enjoy His atmosphere, enjoy the teaching of His Word, enjoy His Word, freely read it, and know that we're in a relationship with Him, and trust Him and have His provision for us. Amen. All because the Lord Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and by Him choosing to give His love, so that not, we would not be charged that way, so that we could then flee to Him for refuge. Amen. So the Old Covenant cities of refuge serve as a reminder of God's love, of God's mercy and grace toward us. Amen. That's the type of shadow that it is. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve when we find refuge in Him. Amen. That's mercy and grace. Praise God. And so with Jesus as our refuge, we get restoration, we get transformation, and we get a second chance. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. You see, God's law can no longer come after us. It can no longer harm us or condemn us because we have found refuge in Jesus. We have been freed from the law and we are safe in Jesus. Praise God. Look at this in Romans chapter 6, verse 14 from the Passion Translation. It says, remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. Praise God. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. In other words, the unmerited favor of God. And so what that tells us right there is, is that because we have refuge in Jesus, we don't have to be concerned about the law coming after us. Now, is that a license to go do whatever you like? Well, if that's how you read it, you need other help. Amen. But it, it tells us that we have been free from that. And now we no longer have the law or sin as our ruler. We have the grace of God governing our lives and ruling our lives. Praise God. So remember, these cities of refuge were God's idea because He loves us. God set up such a huge system 
from a human point of view, to make the point to us, <laughs> just the kind of refuge we have, to get an idea of the kind of refuge we have in Jesus. Now next week I'm going to share some powerful things about each specific one of them and how it ties in to the refuge that we have in Jesus. Praise God. So now think about this, as I said earlier. Those living in the cities of refuge enjoy the best of everything as we do in Jesus. Like I said, they were sustained by the provision the priests had. They sat under the teaching atmosphere of the scriptures. And in many ways, they were more blessed living in the city of refuge than they were outside the city. And so they truly gained more than what they had lost. I mean, they were destined to die. And yet they are alive and enjoying the best the land has to offer. Enjoying the best that is available to any of God's people there. And so doesn't that sound like those who find refuge in Jesus. It certainly does. Amen. Let's take a look at Romans 5 verse 20 from the Passion Translation. So then, the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. Isn't that wonderful? God's law is like a mirror. It shows us our sin. It shows us our state in fallen Adam. And it also shows us that we need redemption in Jesus. And when we receive it, it no longer has that purpose. It can no longer do that to us. That's why it can no longer rule over us. And yet it says yeah, no matter what your picture looks like in fallen Adam, no matter how bad, how sinful it may seem, he says, Grace reigns all the more. Grace is more triumphant. There is more than enough grace for you to triumph at all. In other words, in re having refuge in Jesus, you will enjoy the very best that God has. His grace is all sufficient. His grace is more than enough. Amen. So that's how we get to live in refuge in Jesus. Now, the other aspect that we saw there is, is that remember the high priest that was in office when someone caused the accident, when the accident happened, when someone died as a result of their doing, directly or indirectly, they would flee to the city of refuge. And the high priest that was in office then, when he died, then they were free to go. They were released. And so <clears throat> by doing that, like I said, they would risk their lives. They would risk being killed. Even though the Lord said they, you know, the Avengers couldn't, well... People are people, and some people are angry and mad. So they would still be at risk. But that's not how it is with us. We don't have to be concerned. Why? Because number one, our priest will never die. Amen? So when you run to Jesus for refuge, when you take refuge in Jesus by receiving salvation in Jesus, you don't ever have to worry about any avenger you don't have to worry about the law coming after you. You don't have to worry about God coming after you for the death of His Son. No. You find refuge. Your priest is eternal. And therefore, you never have to leave the place of refuge. And you're always safe and protected in Jesus. Look at this. Talking about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, And in another passage, God said to him, talking about Jesus, You are a priest. What is the next word? forever in the order of Melchizedek. In other words, you're of a different order, 
In other words, he's a king priest. We've studied that on Wednesdays in our Bible study. But he says, you are a priest forever. So when we run to Jesus for refuge, he is a high priest and he is priest forever. He will never die. He will never be removed from office. And because of that, we have the certainty that we have refuge in him eternally. We will enjoy all of God's provision and best and everything because our priest lives forever. Amen. That's the other thing that this shows us here. And so our priest lives forever, praise God. That means that our refuge is forever and it means that our blessing is forever. Doesn't that just bless you? So we will never ever be required to leave the place of refuge in Jesus. He's never going to reject you. He's never going to disown you. He's never going to say, well, you know, you've been in, in me in refuge for long enough now. It's time for you to go and risk it and make it on your own. No, he's never going to do that. We come to him for refuge. We stay in him for refuge. Now, religion may tell, <clears throat> tell you otherwise. Legalistic teaching may try and tell you otherwise. But that's not what gospel truth says. That's why we can have the certainty, great confidence of the hope that we have in him amen and so in jesus we are eternally safe and secure which also means this that you don't need to fear judgment day why because when jesus died on the cross that was your judgment day you know if ever you wonder about judgment day if ever anyone ever tries to tell you well judgment day is coming <laughs> all you need to do is say you know my judgment day was on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. Because that's when your judgment day was. This is why you have refuge in Him. To find refuge in Him means that judgment has taken place, means that you are safe and protected, and He's for our forever priest, so we are forever safe and secure in Him. Therefore, there's no fear for judgment. There is no other judgment to come. Jesus died for us in asses in fallen Adam. He took the full punishment of our sin upon himself right and so therefore there is nothing to judge us for god is not going to judge your sin twice that would make him a liar that would make him imperfect and he's not going to do that he has judged your sin now if anyone thinks well that's great that means that if i do something wrong you know i can be okay yeah you can be okay but it would be foolish to go and mess with sin because sin has a wage you work for sin it pays your wage. And what is its wage? Destruction. Destruction of the body. Destruction of our lives. And ultimately, it causes one to, you know, reject salvation in Jesus. You can't lose your salvation, but you can reject it. Why would we want to mess with sin? But the point is, is that you don't need to fear judgment day. Why? Because when Jesus died, that was your judgment day. Now, I know someone is probably thinking, saying, well, what about the judgment seat of Christ? I understand that the white throne judgment is for the unbeliever. But what about the judgment seat of Christ, which is for the believer? Well, <clears throat> I do have teaching on that and I'll teach it some more sometime. But let me just give you a quick little <laughs> answer to that. First of all, when you look at the original language of that verse, the word judgment is not in the original. It was put there by the translators. So it doesn't say that we will face the judgment seat of Christ. What it actually should say directly translated is, we will face the seat of Christ. Now, when you look at that word seat, 
It's the word beimatos. That's where it comes from. And if you look at the historical record then, and, you know, Roman and Greek um, practice, the beimatos was the winner's platform. You know, like today, when someone engages in a sport and they compete, like the Olympics, at the end of the race, at the end of the event, they award the winners. And normally they have a platform with third, second, and first place, right? Well, that is the equivalent of a beimatos. So really, the believer is not going to be judged for their sin because that's already taken place in Jesus. Their judgment day was when Jesus said it is finished on the cross. What that is, is it's a reward ceremony, for the lack of a better word. You and I will be rewarded for our works, good or bad. We'll be rewarded for our works. And so this is why we continue, you know, having a heart for God, having a heart for the gospel and living by God's nature in us and through us, because it's all going to determine our eternal rewards, if you will. Amen. And so anyway, but that's something you can check out for yourself. But your judgment day took place, so you don't need to fear judgment day. Look at this in Hebrews 7, verse 25, the first part of that verse. It says, Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. So God saves those who come to him through Jesus once and forever. Praise God. So you are saved once and forever. It's done. Amen. And then, of course, let's finish off with Psalm 46, verse 1, talking about Jesus, our, our refuge, finding refuge in Jesus. Look at what it says here about God. <clears throat> God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You see, the, the, Psalm, the, the psalmist knew he lived under the law, so he understood the cities of refuge. And this is why he, why he says, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. In other words, he could have run to a city of refuge, <clears throat> but he actually learned to find refuge in his relationship with God. And notice he says, you are. He doesn't say you will be or you were. He says you are. No matter what translation you look at, it is in the present ongoing tense. So he says, God, you are a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. That's what a city of refuge did. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. And having studied last week about these cities of refuge and all the different aspects of it, you can see that the understanding here is, you know, a city of refuge was a phenomenal place where you were spared from being put to death in a horrible way. And here the psalmist says, God, you are an awesome, powerful, safe place of refuge. And this, of course, is talking about Jesus too, because Jesus is God. And so we find refuge in Him. And He's always available to us. He will always protect us. We are safe in refuge in Jesus. Amen. So everything we see in the Old Covenant about the cities of refuge is a type and shadow of what you and I as believers have in Jesus. So Jesus truly is our refuge, praise God. And we are eternally safe and secure in Him. Amen. Praise God. Praise. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, 
please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.